I invite you guys to turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, where we're going to be this morning. We are continuing on our series through 1 John as we uh, are answering this question, whose side are you on? Right? John is talking to a church that has experienced this divide, this split, where uh, there's a group of people that are proclaiming things that are not true about Jesus, and they've broken off from the church. And so uh, John is asking his audience, whose side are you on? Are you the side of the, the group of people who claim to be Christians and are, or are you on the side of people who claim to be Christians and aren't? And he's, he's asking these questions and causing us to think and causing us to, uh, to, to, to wonder about these things. And so First John chapter 4, uh, beginning of verse 1, is where we're going to pick up this morning. John kind of uh, stays in that same lane, but... Uh, it takes a very specific path this morning, a very specific topic he wants to talk about beginning in verse 1. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let me pray for us and we'll get into this this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. God, that you, ha- you speak to us from your word. God, I pray that we would handle it well, that we would, we would have ears that are ready to hear what you're going to say to us, hearts that are ready to apply it. God, I pray that, that your spirit would move as we spend time in your word. God, I pray that you would give us discernment and insight when it comes to scripture, God, that we would know how to apply it, that we would know when, when someone is telling the truth, that we would be discern from truth and error, that we would discern between truths and lies, God, that we would have an insight and an understanding into who you are from your word, God, and we would go back and test what we're hearing and test what we're learning and test what we're being told by, by, by uh, preachers, by teachers, by everyday friends, that we would test these things according to your word, God, that we would have confidence and know you that we would confidence and know who you are, and that we are standing firm on truth instead of error. God, we love you and praise you, and it's in the wonderful, holy name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Uh, every preacher has bad moments when preaching. Uh, we all, if you preach long enough, you're going to say a sentence that just didn't come out right. Right? Uh, Kenzie and I, uh, uh, every now and then we'll watch videos, and there'll be a sermon that it's just, it didn't, what the pastor said did not come out right. Like, it's the pastor who comes out on Easter Sunday and says, you know, and, and fanfare and comes out saying, praise the Lord, today's the day we get to celebrate Jesus' erection. And then, you know, you just got to end the service there because you can't come back from that. Or it's the, the preacher, a pastor friend I, uh, of mine that's in the DFW area who was doing graduation Sunday and, and uh, was graduating a guy, they had a, a, a senior who was uh, in photojournalism and, and really good at it and was going off to college for it. And so they bring him up and and he's talking uh, about this guy and saying some really good things about him and says he's going off to school to study pornography, uh, photography. <laughs> and, and you, again, you just, you know, you, it's hard to recover from that. You say enough sentences in public, things are going to come out incorrectly, right? Like, you, you're just going to have bad moments. It doesn't make for a bad sermon, just a bad moment, right? Uh, but uh, we are, today we are talking about bad sermons. And 
Uh, I was talking to a group of people yesterday about uh, the fact that we we're going to talk about bad sermons today, and someone, I'm not going to mention Skylar by name, but somebody said, uh, oh, you have a lot of experience with those, right? Uh, jokingly, 100% jokingly. Uh, so, uh, but it's true. I've preached my fair share of bad sermons. I've sat under my fair share of, of bad sermons. Kenzie and I were at a wedding uh, a while ago, and, uh, and the preacher got up and spent the entire sermon talking about how difficult marriage is and how, how hard it is and how tough it is. I'm like, even if that was a biblical perspective of marriage, which it isn't, uh, that just doesn't fit the context of a wedding day. Like, congratulations, bride and groom. It's all downhill from here. Like, it's just not, it's just a bad sermon, right? We've all, we've all been a part of them. I, I, I've preached my fair share of them. Time will tell whether this is lumped in that category or not. But, uh, but there, are, there are bad sermons. There's bad preaching, and there are bad preachers. And John, in 1 John chapter 4, is concerned about the sermons that we're hearing, the teaching that we're getting, the people that we're listening to. And he's not just concerned about bad preaching in the way that we would think of bad preaching, like, like it was unclear or is not engaging. He's not concerned about any of that. He's concerned about the content of the message. And he's concerned that we're going to listen to and, uh, and believe and obey bad teaching, bad preaching, and bad preachers. And so this is what John wants us to see this morning in 1 John chapter 4. We need to evaluate the messages we hear to discern the spirit that inspires them. We need to be able to, to figure out, like, don't just accept messages on face value. Don't just listen to everybody who claims to be a Christian opening up the Bible and teaching you what it means from a preacher to a, to a small group teacher to everyday conversations with advice. Don't just immediately assume that because it's coming from someone who claims to be a Christian and it's coming from someone who opens up the Bible that what they're saying is true. John is saying we need to discern the messages that we hear. We need to evaluate them and to figure out what's the spirit that's inspiring them. What is the spirit that's leading these? And John gives us uh, two questions that we can derive from the text this morning, two questions we can ask to figure out what spirit is inspiring the messages that we hear, the sermons that we listen to, the teaching that we get in small groups, the advice that we receive on an everyday basis. There are two questions that we need to ask of these messages. And the first one is this. What is this person saying about Jesus? What is this person saying about Jesus? Because the answer to that question will help you figure out what is the spirit behind the message that you're hearing. Look with me at uh, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. On the Old Testament, God spoke to the Israelites predominantly through prophets. There were people that would, would come out and they'd say, thus says the Lord, and they would proclaim a prophecy. Usually it, would, uh, it was a message uh, of something that God was saying to his people, and then he they would attach to it usually a, a prophecy about what's going to happen, what's going to occur. And God, through Moses, tells the Israelites, he said, you need to test the prophets. Don't just immediately, if someone comes up and says, thus says the Lord, and they tell you this, don't just immediately say, well, all right, that's what God says. You know, you got to test it. You got to figure it out. And so specifically, uh, God gives them a couple tests. He says, first off, if they predict something and it doesn't happen, they're not my prophet. <laughs> Uh, if they predict something and it doesn't come to pass, they didn't say what I told them. Because if I tell you something's going to happen, it's going to happen. So that's an easy test to figure out if a prophet is from the Lord. Did it come true? <laughs> like, is the prophecy, did it occur? Uh, and so he said, if, if someone predicts something and it doesn't happen, they're not my prophet. They should be stoned to death. 
specifically is what he says. Um, they're, they're, they're going around telling people they're hearing words from me and they're not. The second test that God gives the Israelites, he says, even if it comes true, if the prophet is telling you to go worship idols or he's telling you to, to turn away from me as God, he's not my, he's not my prophet. He, what he says might be a good prediction. It might come to pass, but even if it does, if he's telling you to go away from me, clearly he's not my, my prophet. You need to discern the message of the prophets. You need to figure out, is this prophet from the Lord or not? You need to ask these questions because there are false prophets out there proclaiming things, saying, thus says the Lord, and they're not telling the truth. God never said. And so John is using that imagery here in verse four, uh, uh, chapter 4 and verse 1, saying you and I need to test the spirits, meaning you and I need to test the messages that we hear. We need to evaluate the sermons that we listen to, the teaching that we sit under, the, the everyday advice we get from people claiming to tell you truth about who God is and how he wants you to live. We need to put these things to the test because there are people claiming to be Christians teaching things that aren't of Christ. There are people opening up the Bible and proclaiming things that aren't true. And so we need to test. We need to discern and evaluate. Instead of just blindly accepting somebody, uh, a message from someone because they're on TV or they're, they're, they're right in front of you with a Bible open and they're telling you this is what it says. Like we need to discern and evaluate and figure out, is that what the Bible says? Is this true? And the, the, the question that we need to ask is, what does this person say about Jesus? And John, when he says test the spirits, the, the, the idea that he has in mind is that there are two spirits, specifically that he mentions, that are behind most of the messages that we hear proclaimed. The first spirit is the Holy Spirit, and this is what he says in verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. The translation of that verse is iffy. It, is, it, it either says that Jesus Christ uh, came in the flesh or that Jesus is the Christ come in the flesh. The idea, though, is that, that the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is going to proclaim true things about Jesus. He's going to, to magnify and lift up and cause our affections to be stirred towards Jesus. That's how we can know that the Holy Spirit is behind the message that we hear, the, the messages that are proclaimed, the teaching that comes in front of us, the, the advice that we get. Does it lift up Jesus? Does it magnify him and praise him and stir our affections towards him? Is Jesus being lifted up in the messages that we hear proclaimed and the teaching that we get and the advice we receive? Is it telling us true things about Jesus? In John chapter 16, John says that, uh, this is Jesus talking. Jesus tells his disciples that, that the Holy Spirit is coming, that he's going to go away, and that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. He calls him a helper. He calls him a counselor. Uh, and he says he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And in John 16, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is going to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. A and when he elaborates a little bit on what that means, he says, convicts of the world of sin because the world does not believe me, does not believe in me. So the role of the Holy Spirit in the world is to go tell the world that you are believing false things about Jesus. You need to lift your eyes up to him and see him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So the Holy Spirit is in the world convicting the world that they have the wrong perspective of Jesus. He says concerning righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you'll, you won't have me anymore. 
the idea there is that Jesus is saying, I'm the perfect example of righteousness. I have lived in front of you exactly how you're supposed to live, the way you're supposed to speak, the things you're supposed to do. And I've been this example to you right in front of you my whole life, but I'm going back to the Father where he is right now, seated at the right hand of God. He says, I'm going back there. So the Holy Spirit is going to come into the world and convict the world of righteousness, pointing the world to the righteousness of Jesus. He says concerning judgment, because the enemy of God, the ruler of this world, is already judged. So what we see in John 16 is that the Holy Spirit's entire goal, what he wants to accomplish in the world, is to lift up the name of Jesus. He wants people to believe rightly about him. He wants people to praise him and glorify him. He wants to see people shaped and molded into the image of Jesus because he is the image of righteousness. The Holy Spirit is all about lifting up Jesus. That's what he wants to accomplish in the world. The Holy Spirit wants to tell you the truth about who Jesus is, that Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity, the eternal Son of God, permanently, eternally co-equal with the Father. And that Jesus Christ added humanity to his deity 2,000 years ago when he came to earth, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life on this earth, fully man and fully God. And then he died on a cross for our salvation of our sins. And three days later, he rose again from the grave to give us eternal life, to go up before us and to show us the eternal life that's available to us through him because he conquered sin and death. And that Jesus, uh, after resurrecting from the grave, he ascended to the right hand of the Father where he is now seated, pleading and interceding on our behalf. And one day Jesus is going to come back as King of kings and Lord of lords. He's going to do away with all unrighteousness and all brokenness and all sinfulness and pain and wickedness in the world. He's going to set everything right. The Holy Spirit wants you to know about Jesus. And he wants to magnify him and glorify him in your mind. I've said this before. You're never going to have too high a view of Jesus. We're never going to reach a point where we're like, man, I, I, I love Jesus. He's awesome. I may be overvaluing him. Like, we're, ne- we're never going to reach that point. The Holy Spirit wants us to lift, wants to lift up Jesus in our mind. He wants to magnify him and make him known. He wants us to fall deeper in love with Jesus. So the question is, is the message that you're hearing lifting up Jesus in your mind? Are you walking away with a greater affection and appreciation for Jesus? Because if, if so, that's the Holy Spirit working in and through the sermon. A message that is inspired and, and driven by the Holy Spirit is a message that is lifting up Jesus and proclaiming him for who he is. If you want a, a self-help sermon where you, you just are, are, are really affirmed in your, in, your, in your self-esteem and you feel better about yourself walking out of here and that's what you want from this, I can recommend a dozen counselors or therapists, right? Because that's not our purpose. Our purpose is to lift up Jesus and to help you see that you, there's a God who loves you enough to send his son to die for you and that he died on the cross and he rose again for you and that it's only in him that you have life. That is our purpose. If you, if, you're, if, you wanna, if you want a message of morality to teach you, like these are the things that you have to do, the check boxes you have to lift, the, the, the re- religious devotion that you have to do, this is what, what your life should look like with all this morality and all these good things and all this religious devotion. There are a thousand other religions that will do that for you. They will all tell you how to live a good life, how to be a good person, how to follow religious devotion. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to lift up the name of Jesus. 
to show you that it's only in him that you have eternal life, that it's only in following him that you can grow in righteousness, that you, you allow your love for the Lord to pull you away from sinfulness and towards the image of Jesus. That's our purpose, to lift up the name of Jesus in your mind, to stir the affections and your, your hope and your life in Jesus, to pick up Jesus in your imagination that to, to warm your affections towards him is the message that you're hearing is the teaching that you're under are the advice that you're getting from people is it lifting up Jesus because if it's not lifting up Jesus it's not from the Holy Spirit or to say it positively if it's lifting up Jesus that's how you can know that the Holy Spirit is behind the message that you're listening to the Holy Spirit wants to lift up Christ now I will say John is talking about these, these good preachers, those who are, are, are led by the Holy Spirit and, and proclaim the truth about Jesus. And he, he's going to talk in a moment about bad preachers who proclaim lies about Jesus. But, but one thing I want to mention is that uh, even preachers who teach truth about Jesus, who lift up Christ, uh, which, you know, hopefully you guys believe I fall under. Uh, like it, 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 even preachers that preach the truth about Jesus will miss the mark from time to time. Because of our sinfulness, our own, our own uh, our own insufficiency, our own stubbornness to be taught and led by the Holy Spirit. There will be times where, where we open up Scripture and we will proclaim what we think Scripture says and we will completely miss the mark of the text. And the way that you're going to know that we miss a mark on any given Sunday is because of what we say about Jesus. Do you walk out of the sermon with a greater appreciation of who Jesus is? Because every single text in scripture is going to give you a greater appreciation of who Jesus is. Because the Holy Spirit wants to give you a greater appreciation of who Jesus is. I'll show you where, this, where, where, where preachers fall flat the most. And that's legalistic preaching. From sermons or, or teaching in small groups or, or in regular everyday advice where we miss the mark the most is where we open up a text of scripture and all we get to is this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to check off these boxes. You're supposed to do these things. This is how you're supposed to live. This is how you're supposed to act. And we leave Jesus on the sidelines like a bench player who will call into the game when we need him. That's not a message proclaiming Jesus. That's a message about you <laughs> and lifting you up in your own eyes and telling you that it's, it's, on, it's on your shoulders. What it's like is, is treating Jesus like the starting blocks of a swim meet where we launch off in our faith to him like a starting block where we have to paddle and swim to get anywhere in our faith. That's not the message of the gospel, and that's not Jesus. The Jesus of the Bible and the Jesus that the Holy Spirit wants to lift our minds uh, up to and to lift our affections toward is a Jesus who, who totally changes us from the inside out, that all of our morality and all of our righteousness is ultimately rooted in him. Sometimes we miss the mark. I know I have, and I'm sure I will. And on those days, that's the, the point I'm making to you is just because I'm up here and hopefully don't miss the mark most weeks, uh, doesn't mean you should immediately take what I say on face value. Just because you're sitting in a small group and you've been in that small group for a long time doesn't mean you automatically take the small group teaching on face value. And just because someone's your trusted friend and you know they love Jesus doesn't mean you should take their advice on face value. Test it to figure out what they're saying about Jesus. Are they lifting up and magnifying him and growing your appreciation and understanding for him? Because that's a message from the Holy Spirit. The flip side of that 
says, verse 3, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So this is John referring to the people who slid off from the church. He's saying these are people who are teaching false things about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is not behind those messages. What's behind those messages is the Antichrist, is what he says. This anti meaning against Christ. This is the spirit, a, a general idea that the world inhabits that says the world is against Jesus. The world doesn't believe rightly about Christ. The world doesn't submit to him as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so this spirit of independence, of rejection of Christ, of disobedience to him, this is the spirit that is behind messages that teach falsely and incorrectly about Jesus. There's a, a stream of preaching known as the prosperity gospel preaching. Prosperity gospel is, is the idea that, that Jesus, a, a faith in him means that God, God is going to give you health and wealth and, and, and the things that you want in life. And if you don't have those things, if you're unhealthy or if you lack wealth or if you, if you, if you lack uh, uh, good relationships and good things, if, you, if your life isn't going how to, how, uh, as planned, uh, it's because you don't have enough faith in Jesus. And we, it, we treat Jesus like a totem, a magic totem that if you, if you pray to him and you believe on him enough, you'll get what you want in life. This is a, a false gospel. And the reason it's a false gospel is because it, it lowers the view of Jesus from the almighty king of kings and lord of lords to be worshipped to a totem where the thing that ultimately matters in my life is what I want, my desires, my goals, the things that, that fill my heart and the desires of my mind, like those are the things that matter and Jesus will give those things to me. I'm still in the driver's seat and Jesus is reduced. This is the preaching where, where people, uh, you know, most famous for, uh, for prosperity gospel are people like uh, uh, Joel Osteen or Paula White and uh, uh, Creflo Dollar, Kenneth Copeland, um, sometimes T.D. Jakes, some, sometimes not. He's, he's washy. But it's, there are guys that, that, that will proclaim these messages that, that teach incorrectly about Jesus because they treat him like a, a magic totem and says that he's going to give you what you want. If you just believe rightly and have enough faith, you're going to get all the health and wealth and the good things coming to you. That's not Jesus. That is a significantly inferior version of Jesus. A Jesus that isn't worshipped, it's a Jesus that's used. The same, uh, in the same grounds, uh, there are uh, Mormon preachers. Mormonism claims to be Christian. And they will proclaim the name of Jesus. They'll, they'll open the Bible and say, we believe in the same Jesus you do. They'll claim Christianity. But the Jesus that they believe in, if you look at Mormon teachings, the Jesus that they believe in is they believe the, the heavenly father and the heavenly mother had spirit children, and Jesus is one of their spirit children, and that Jesus volunteered for his role uh, to, to, to uh, help the world along, and that because of that, he was awarded the title of Messiah and lived a good life, died, rose again, and became a, uh, became a god. Like, that may be a good view of Jesus, but it isn't the view of Jesus that the Bible says. That's the big problem with these lies about Jesus. They're not bashing Jesus. They're not anti-Jesus and putting him down and saying, these are all these things that you need to believe about Jesus, that he's a, he didn't exist, or he was a liar, or he's a maniac. Like, they're not putting him down in this terrible way. They're just moving him down a few pegs from his rightful place as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They're moving him down from the second person of the Trinity, co-eternal with the Father, to this created being who volunteered for the role of Messiah. That may be a good view, but it's not the biblical view. And it's not the view of Jesus. 
We need to discern the messages that we're taught. Things that we hear, the advice that we get. To figure out, is this raising Jesus in my mind or is this lowering Jesus? Is this lifting up Christ or is this lifting up myself and bringing Jesus along to help me out? Who is, who is being lifted up and praised in these conversations, in this sermon, in this lesson, in this advice? Need to discern the spirit. Who, what do they say about Jesus? Second question we can ask, we get from verse 4. How would the world respond to this message? We figure out what they say about Jesus. The question is, how would the world respond to this message? Look at me in verse 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. This is a wonderful message uh, that John gives to, to his audience because they're, they're worried about the hostility that this other group is, is giving and the, their, this, this, uh, the problems that they're causing. And, and Jesus, uh, John is telling his audience, he's saying, the Holy Spirit that's in you is significantly superior to the spirit of the Antichrist in them. You have already overcome them because you're in Christ. Just a really wonderful, warming message. But this is what he said. I want us to see verse 8. Excuse me, verse 6. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. So a message that is led by the Holy Spirit, is going to be a message that lifts up Jesus. It's going to be a true message about the gospel that will rightly paint the gospel in people's minds and in people's lives. Th this is the message that will be lifted up, and the truth is that the gospel is offensive to the world. This view of Jesus as the King of kings and Lord of lords that we have to submit to, this view that we are sinful, broken people that need a Savior, this is a view that's offensive to the world. This is a view that the world has rejected. And so a message that is proclaimed from the word of God, led by the Holy Spirit, and lifts up Jesus and rightly and accurately proclaims the gospel, a measure of that sermon is going to be uh, offensive to the world. It's going to be taken and received poorly by the vast majority of people. That's what John is saying. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever's not from God does not listen to us. And by this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. If the world is totally okay with our message, we're probably not proclaiming the word well. If the world takes no offense at anything that I ever say as a preacher, then I'm probably not saying something from the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit wants the world to change. He wants the world to think rightly about Jesus. He wants the world to know Christ and experience the gospel. There's going to be some amount of offensiveness in the message of the gospel. And our proclamations about Jesus. How would the world respond to the message that you're hearing? The, the flip side is what he says in verse 5. They are from the world, these false teachers. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. This is preaching that the world enjoys. This is preaching that the world has no problem with. Now, I'll say preaching from the word of God, proclaiming the truth about Jesus, proclaiming the gospel, it should not be extra offensive. Like We as preachers and as teachers and in our everyday conversations, we can be additionally offensive, where, where the thing that is offending people is not the gospel, but our own tone and our own content of our message. We're belittling and looking down on people. That's just offensive for the sake of being offensive. That's not the gospel. 
the gospel, I've said this before, the gospel is offensive enough on its own. Right, we don't need to make it worse. But, it, but the truth is that faithfully preaching the word of God, faithfully teaching scripture, pouring out the, uh, a, 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 a true view of Jesus, that is going to be a measure of offensiveness to the world. It, if you get rid of all of that, you can preach a message that the world enjoys. Even under the name Christian, even opening a Bible, you can preach a message the world has no problem with. In the 1960s and 70s, uh, were kind of the height of his, maybe even to the 80s, this guy named Robert Schuller. Uh, and Robert Schuller preached at the Crystal Cathedral. He had a, a famous TV program called Hour of Power. Um, and, and Robert Schuller, early on in his ministry, would, would, uh, would preach the gospel, would teach things about Jesus. But then in the, in the late uh, 50s, late 60s, uh, he became acquainted with the teachings of a guy named Norman Vincent Peale, uh, Power of Positive Thinking. And uh, he became really inundated with that, became really obsessed with it. Uh, and so what he decided to do, Robert Schuller, what he decided to do is he decided to never mention sin again. He said, I'm not going to mention sin because people don't need to be thought, they, they already think negatively of themselves. They need to be, have their self-esteem raised and lifted up. So I'm going to get rid of any references to sin. And the message of the gospel that he proclaims now is not a message of salvation. It's a message of, of self-help and, and self-esteem and being positive thinking and lifting up. And so what Robert Schuller did is he managed to grow a massive congregation and a massive TV audience. He began to, to proclaim messages that he intended to be received well by the world. And the result is that they were received well by the world. That people would listen to his message and have no problems with it. That they would, they would enjoy his tuning in to the Hour of Power every week. They would enjoy going to the Crystal Cathedral, this beautiful building in California. They would enjoy sitting there and hearing him talk because the message that he proclaimed is no different than the message of the rest of the world. They have no problems with it. There was no offensiveness in it. This is the same thing today as the, the churches and the preachers that affirm LGBTQ plus communities. Let me be clear, the scripture, th this is not, it, it's black and white, it, scripture teaches that marriage is, is uh, and sex is meant to be within marriage between a man and a woman. That's what scripture teaches. And this is where we don't need to be extra offensive. If you're, if you're here and you're, uh, you, you, you struggle with homosexuality or you have tendencies towards that or, or you have you know, people that do, you are welcome here. We love you. We, we're glad that you're here. There's no problems with that at all. You're, but you're probably going to be offended by things I say every now and then because <laughs> this is what the Bible teaches. Whereas churches that affirm everything, don't want to talk about sin, don't want to talk about the passages of Scripture that are very clear on what sin is and what the issues are, and they sweep all of those things under the rug, and they want to just proclaim a message that the world is happy with, that won't offend people, that won't cause any problems or division or drama, and they'll proclaim these messages. The world is okay with those, but the Holy Spirit isn't behind them. Those aren't messages that the Holy Spirit is pushing and proclaiming because they're not causing the world to think about their own sinfulness, their own brokenness, their own false views about Jesus. It's not causing the world to lift up their eyes to Christ. It's causing the world to think, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. The question we have to ask is, what does this person think about Jesus? What are they saying about Jesus? And then what would the world think about this message? If people from the world can sit through an entire sermon and have no issues with any of it, we have failed. As a preacher, as a teacher, we have failed in our advice as believers. Even if someone from the world 
likes 99.9% of what we say. The fact that it's rooted in the gospel should be slightly offensive to people of the world. The fact that we're calling for repentance and turning to Jesus and uh, acknowledging him as Lord and Savior will be slightly offensive or very offensive to the people of the world. We need to be able to discern the messages that we hear, sermons that we listen to, the the preaching and teaching we sit under, the advice that we give. We need to be able to discern it to see, is this led by the Holy Spirit or is this led by some other spirit? Is this led by the Holy Spirit or is this backed by our own sinfulness and our own brokenness? What is pushing the advice? What's pushing the sermon? What's pushing the teaching? We need to be people who know and love Jesus and can discern truth from error. And let me go another step further and say in your own life, is your life, does it give evidence of being led by the Holy Spirit? This is what John closes out chapter 3 with. He says in verse 24, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God's and God ab- abides in God and God in him, and by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. The truth is that if you're a follower of Jesus, God has given the Holy Spirit to every single one of you. It dwells you, it it pushes you, it challenges you. And so your life as a Christian should be a life of growing to look more like Jesus and growing to proclaim and lift up the name of Jesus more and more in our world because the Holy Spirit that's inside of you is crying out to lift up the name of Jesus. And so if you have the Holy Spirit within you, then you will be people that are growing to look more like him, and you will be people that are, uh, that are growing in your proclamation of Jesus. You're growing more and more in love with him, and in, out of your love for him, you are sharing that love to the world. Like, this will be true of people who have the Holy Spirit within them, pushing them to look more like Jesus. And you can suppress it, you can, uh, you can try to, to push it down, but as believers with the Holy Spirit within us, he is drawing us to Jesus. So the question in your life, examining it honestly, are you being drawn towards Jesus? Day after day, month after month, year after year, are you growing in your love for Christ? Are you growing in your appreciation for him? Do you have strong affections and admiration for Jesus? Because if that isn't true, if you don't have this love for for Jesus, if you're not growing in that, then I would suggest that for you, Jesus may just be a religious idea, maybe a, some, something you enjoy thinking about, something that is good in your mind, but, but not, not your Savior yet. So what the Word of God is calling you to do this, this morning, if that's you, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, if you've never grown in your affection for Jesus, if you've never fallen in love with Him, then what the Word of God is calling you to do this morning is to see Jesus as he is, the King of kings and Lord of lords who loves you so much that he willingly died on a cross for you and rose again from the grave to go before you with eternal life and is now seated at the right hand, pleading on your behalf. You have a Jesus in heaven who loves you, who knows you. Fall in love with him. If you know him, grow in your love with him. Sit under preaching and teaching and give advice that causes you to fall more and more in love with him every single day. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus and what he's done for us. God, I thank you for the love 
that he has for us, the love that you've shown for us in sending your son to die for us. God, I pray that every single person in this room would fall so deeply in love with Jesus. God, that that you will shape our hearts and our minds, our affections and our attitudes, that you will stir them up to to magnify Christ, God, and that, that in this church the name of Jesus would be lifted up. And that in our community, through the believers in this body, God, the name of Jesus would be magnified in our world. God, I pray that anyone here who does not know you, that has not fallen in love with Jesus, God, I pray that this morning would be the morning that they see Jesus for who he is. God, and they will fall in love with him. God, may your Holy Spirit do a work in their hearts and their minds this morning. God, I pray for those of us that know you, that love you, that have your Holy Spirit within us. God, I pray that your Spirit would stir within us greater affections for Jesus, would would continually burn within us a passion for Christ so that that we would turn away from sin and look more like Jesus so that the things we say, the conversations we have would would be filled with a love for Christ and a, a proclamation of the gospel. God, I pray that you would change us from the inside out, changing the dynamics of this church, changing the dynamics of our community because the name of Jesus is going forth because love for Christ is winning out over brokenness in the world. Father, we love you. We praise you. It's the wonderful holy name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.